thanks for tuning in. But we hope you won't mind if we start this one off a little differently, with an apology and an explanation. This was one of the first recordings that Tess and I made, and it kind of shows, because in places, the sound is not great. To be honest, we were going to junk it, but we just had such a good time discussing this stuff, and there's so much great science in here, that we can't quite bear to get rid of it. So we decided to hold it back a little. Our thinking was that hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you like is enough to forgive all the clicks and the breath sounds. But honestly, if they're all just too much and just a little bit too distracting, we're going to understand if you skip this episode and go to our next one. We just ask, please don't give up on us. So what are we going to talk about? Well, today we are going to talk about the TikTok from personal trainer James Smith about working out according to your menstrual cycle. I had no idea about this one because I have no idea about TikTok <laughs> and and two because my friends and I periods are a thing of the past so this is not something that I would take any notice of or my friends would ask me about because we don't need to worry about it whereas in contrast my friends have all been asking me to ask you I think it looks really legit I'm always trying to make my workouts better seems like it would make sense if you are going through your period each month that would affect a bunch of other stuff Absolutely. If you can match your workouts to your menstrual cycle to get more bang for your training buck, Mm -hmm. that has to be a good thing, doesn't it? So yeah, I I can definitely see why we should explore this one. Yes, I'm glad you agreed to go over this one because I have a feeling it's not going to be as simple as I thought it was. Should we dive straight in? Yes, let's do it. Firstly, I I do think we should say respect to this guy is James Smith, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I love the fact that he's definitely taken some time to investigate and make sure that he's got a half-decent handle on the menstrual cycle. And I suspect that he understands it probably way better than quite a large number of men. So we, we give him a, you know, a high five for that, don't we? Okay, so props there. Is that where the props ends? Is that what you're going to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> It's a short TikTok, but he's got two different threads in there because he talks, first of all, about the basic biology of the menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about understanding the cycle. How then could you relate that? How should you relate it potentially to the way you train? So should we talk about perhaps the basic science? What is a menstrual cycle, first of all? Yeah, and also he covered it in, I would say, pretty basic terms, right? Yeah, but I think he did enough of a job with kind of one exception. There's one bit I'd like to pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I was a bit concerned about his discussion of of ovulation. So the first thing is he said, take a menstrual cycle, cut it in half, and that's where ovulation occurs. We ovulate typically 14 days before we then have a period. So for instance, if somebody has a 30-day cycle, Mm -hmm. that would mean that they're actually ovulating typically on day 16. Okay. If somebody has a 25-day cycle, take 14 off that, that means they're typically ovulating on day 11. Okay. His implication is either that everybody ovulates on day 14 or that everybody ovulates at least halfway through their cycle. Okay. It just happens that 14 is half of 28. So what's the issue with that if, if you ovulate two days after when he said you would ovulate? Well, that sort of brings me to the second thing, really. We can think about ovulation as being, you know, that's when the egg gets released and sperm are hanging around. You know, they're going to get an introduction and get a baby going, perhaps. But it's interesting to know when ovulation is because ovulation is the timer at the end of a woman's fertile period. Because when that egg's released, depending on which resources, depending probably on your own eggs, it's only going to hang around it could be as little as 12 hours it might be as much as 24 hours okay but its time is limited whereas 
super sperm, and that's not my term, that's what they've been called in biology. We now know that super sperm can last five days. James is kind of saying, if you know when ovulation is, just avoid the day of ovulation. He gives some pretty clear advice about that. But if you know that your ovulation is on day 16, you need to avoid getting sperm there from probably day 11 onwards. Day 11 up to day 16? Well, day 16 would be very risky. Okay. But like day 17 is probably fine. But day 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So if we're giving the hint to people that the only thing that matters is just avoid sex on day of ovulation, people are using that as contraceptive advice. Bit risky. Very risky. Okay. All right, so we covered that. It's not just that single day. I am glad you're clearing this up because I wasn't quite sure how all of this works. So the people who are wondering about this, Mm -hmm. whether they should train according to the menstrual cycle theory, do you think those people are having sex? Uh, weird, but yeah, probably. And do we think that a good number of them are having sex whilst also trying to avoid getting pregnant? Yeah, like on birth control? I would think so. When you say birth control, you mean... Um, well, I feel like most people I know would be on the pill or on um, that IUD. And most of those IUDs now are impregnated with hormones as well. So here's the thing. You might think that you are having periods when you're using the pill, but actually you're not having a regular menstrual cycle. You're just having some bleeding every four weeks. And that's not actually a menstrual cycle. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think what you're saying is if you're on birth control, you're not actually having a proper menstrual cycle and therefore working out according to your menstrual cycle is irrelevant anyways. Is that what you're saying? Um, that's absolutely what I'm saying. Okay. If, if you go back to the video, he, James, quite correctly talks about the period before ovulation, calls that the follicular phase. He's absolutely spot on there. Okay. He talks about the phase after ovulation as the luteal phase, so the phase when the egg's been released. He's absolutely correct about that. Okay. If you're using any kind of hormonal contraception, those work by fooling your body into thinking you're pregnant and then your body stops you having follicles that become eggs. So you don't have follicular period, you don't have ovulation, and you don't have luteal part of your menstrual cycle. So all of the comments on the video, people saying, you know, oh, I'm going to try this and stuff because there was no disclaimer in the video saying, by the way, if you're on hormonal birth control, like the pill or like some of these IUDs and stuff like that, the patches. Yeah, same same thing. Patches okay. is just a different way of giving you the hormones. So really, it should have said disclaimer. If you're on any form of these birth controls or hormonal birth control, this doesn't apply to you. So anybody comment on it saying, oh, I'm going to try this, they should know that there's no point trying it if they're on birth control. Is that the... That's pretty much it, yeah. Okay, so that's a pretty big disclaimer <laughs> to miss because I would I would say that probably just a look at the comments, it's like a lot of people saying, oh, I'm going to do this, that I'm sure a lot of them are not aware of that. I mean, I certainly wasn't aware of that. No, and if you think about the way that manufacturers design those blister packs, it's all geared around almost faking a period oftentimes what happens is that you have three weeks of hormones and then you have a week of dummy pills and that causes the body to have what's called really a breakthrough bleed you just release blood but it's not it's just not the same but pharmaceutical companies want us to have an experience which feels quite normal so as close to the normal human experience as possible so could they take that out yeah no way so they have that in there so that we don't panic and that we feel like we're having a normal period yeah that's crazy I there did not go. know that. Oh my gosh. Well, so that's a whole different that's a whole, thing. That's yeah. a whole other story probably. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know now I'm like going into a <laughs> head spin thing about that. But okay, so first thing to note is that if you watch that TikTok and you're thinking about doing it, but you're on any form of hormonal birth control, don't don't bother, right? 
I think that that's absolutely right. So, okay. So even if in our next few minutes we go, yeah, there's a lot of validity to, validity to this. If you're using the pill, it doesn't apply to you. So that would knock out, I would assume, at least 50% of the female audience, well, right? Which is that how much so would be on birth control? Well, I think you've got a lot of people using the pill. So if your form of birth control is condom, you're still having a normal menstrual cycle. Correct. So you're good to go yeah. with this study. <laughs> you are good to go. You've passed the preliminary test. Yeah. Okay. You have. I do wonder though, if you went to your personal trainer, I guess if you said, I want to talk to you about my menstrual cycles and training, and they say, well, are you using the pill? I guess you'd feel okay about that because you'd already opened it. But it's a yeah. bit of a weird thing for your personal trainer to have to ask you, isn't it? Well, I will say that having been on sports teams my whole life, I have never, ever had a coach ask me, or build a training plan around our menstrual cycles. And I've had a lot of coaches over the years and who've been great, but never, no, I've never had, or even a personal trainer, I've never had anybody address that with me, which is why when I saw it popping up, I was like, oh, maybe there's some new science out about it and that I had never been asked it because it didn't apply but it sounds like there's nothing new about it it's just been marketed well I think that's right actually because some of the um, interesting research that I found this goes back 30 years so it's an idea that's been bubbling around for a while so it just kind of got popular on TikTok well such is life well okay so now hang on because you said you found some studies so there is some stuff to back it up then well I said I found some studies oh you didn't say positive (laughs) ones okay all right I'm getting a vibe oh darn it why can't I give an the end <laughs> a little okay. bit well i'm gonna try test to get you absolutely mind blown um okay. you can tell me at the end if i've succeeded okay deal would it be useful if i told you a bit of the process that i went through definitely because i i did look this up i do try to look them up before i send I know, them to you yes. you know i just found articles I'm like work out according to this but i couldn't find any specific right studies or data i'm curious how you did we talked in our introductory podcast which if you haven't listened to yet please go back and listen to because then you'll understand where we're coming from but we talked about how we're not trying to be the fount of all knowledge on this podcast we're trying to give some useful information but we're also trying to help people develop their own analytical research skills yeah definitely so i thought i have a point of view on this i think i know what i think about this but being a good scientist means that you should always be open you should always be checking your own knowledge checking that am i up to date Mm -hmm. so i did what everybody out there can do is i went into google and i did two searches i put in injury and menstrual cycle Okay. And strength and menstrual cycle. We'll start off with strength because that's the one that most people are aware of. Now, you, you get a, a bazillion hits and in both cases, it was probably I had to go about halfway down the first page before I would get to any hits that were linking to scientific articles. Above that, it was such and such a clinic, such and such personal training facility. I'm just going to ignore those because it might be research based. But even if those people are telling me about the philosophies of their clinic, they're not going to tell me where they got those ideas from. Okay. So that's not what I'm going to use as my resource. Gotcha. Halfway down the list, clicking the links that took me to journal articles. What becomes clear really quickly is there is quite a lot of work on this. Most studies have found zip. Zip meaning zip, zero as nothing? In zero differences in the amount of strength that female exercisers, so we'll, we'll call them exercisers to take into account beginners up to sort of elite athletes. Okay. Zero evidence to link strength changes, maximum amount that somebody can squat or bench press to where they are in their menstrual cycle. So it doesn't make a difference. That's what really what the bulk of the research says. Is that the same for like cardio or is that different? There's not very much out there on cardio, but it's a similar um, Result? thing. But okay. there's more, people have looked much more into how much can people squat? How much can people bench press? How much can people actually grip strength is something that people seem to be quite keen to investigate because it's actually very easy to investigate that. Okay. 
it's harder looking at people doing cardio. So the first strike, they're kind of against them. There's really nothing, right? The first studies show you nothing. Almost nothing. So it's very little. Okay. You can find a few studies that actually show that strength is less in the first half of the menstrual cycle compared to the second half, which is the opposite to this idea of training according to menstrual cycle. Because really, for anybody who's not quite sure, the majority opinion of people who believe in training according to menstrual cycle is work like crazy in the first half, up to and including ovulation, be kinder to yourself, or if you're the trainer, be kinder to your clients in the second half. Okay. Okay. Which is kind of what James was saying. It was kind of like, be nicer to you, (laughs) like adjust just your workouts to be a little bit easier in the second half. Yeah, he said things like, you won't be as coordinated. You probably can't lift as much. There are lots of studies that find pretty much nothing at all. There are a few studies that find you're slightly stronger in your second half of your menstrual cycle, which... It's kind of the opposite. Another thing to think about here is that these studies are typically small. The really common number for these studies seems to be they've looked at 10 females. Okay, 10 total people in the study? 10 total females. In the whole study? In the whole study. Okay, so I mean, that doesn't seem like a, a good sample size. I did though. I found a study. There were 10 females in it. And this was the biggest positive effect that I could find. Mm-hmm. So this one study, the females that they were looking at had as much as an 11% improvement in the strength of their quads, their thigh muscles, and the muscles that give you a hand grip. Ever used what's called hand grip dynamometers? They're these things that you squeeze. Oh, I, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know those. So this is the study that I found. They did have a difference and it was the biggest difference. So it was an 11% improvement at one point in the menstrual cycle okay back to the training according to menstrual cycle that said can lift more in the first half pre and coming up to ovulation and ovulation after ovulation it's kind of downhill all the way okay so this one study found that there was an 11 percent gain that these women could lift 11 percent more they could squeeze the, the hand grip things 11 percent harder at the time of ovulation and also not before ovulation not after ovulation, but just at the time of ovulation. So mm-hmm. that's actually giving those people like one day a month when they're at the max. Okay. Not okay. two weeks. Yeah. So even if you, you've you got an 11% extra strength on that period, on that's that just one, one day. day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean... But you know what I really liked about that study was they actually did look at 10 women who were having proper periods, weren't using oral contraception, so no hormones added to their bodies. Mm -hmm. And they looked at a similarly sized group of women who were using the pill. And guess what? The women who were using the pill had, what do you think? No, no, no change at all, I'm assuming. No change. So that kind of goes back to where we started all this. Okay. If you're one of those women using the pill. Yeah, pointless really. Forget it. And if you aren't using the pill, maybe on that one day you've got a 10%. 11% gain. Yeah, because I will say 10% isn't like 0.001%. Like it's still somewhat significant, but if it's only for one day, that's not that helpful. And also that was how many people were in that study? 10. Okay, so again, it's that's tough to really base an entire thing off of that. It is. And most of us wouldn't even notice that because if you're curling, let's say a 15 pound dumbbell, that should mean that you're curling a 16.5 pound dumbbell on that day and there well, so isn't what, such a thing. And what if your rest day fell on that day? <laughs> We do. <laughs> yeah, you wasted your entire eleven yeah. percent day. Yeah. <laughs> Just go and eat chocolate. Yeah, you can eat eleven percent more chocolate on yeah. that day. That's a really, really good point. So if that's as good as it gets for one day a month, might not be. Might not be the greatest. Yeah. So I may have missed papers out there, but put it this way: if I have, I've missed the odd one here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a whole ton of research pointing us in the direction of more strength first half, less strength second half. 
it sounds like right now, like if the only day is that day of ovulation and you get potentially 11% more, if you're working out less hard the entire second half of the month because of that, but it's only that one day, haven't you just kind of decreased your exercise route? Like you've made it easier when you didn't really need to. Well, I would say so. If you're feeling horrible, just getting yourself to the gym can be a triumph. But it seems if we're kind of saying to people, oh, you shouldn't expect to feel good in the second half of your cycle. Oh, you shouldn't expect to be able to work out so well in the second half of your cycle. Do you think if people said that to you, do you think that might compromise the quality of yeah, your workout? Yeah, I feel like I was going to say it almost could be like a placebo effect in a bit where if somebody says like, oh yeah, the, the last two weeks of the month, you're going to have a really hard time working out. I feel like that would be in my head a bit. I, I think it would be in mine. I also sure. feel like, and I'm not sure if everybody's like this, but I feel like if the last two weeks of the month, I'm going to have a harder time working out. That's when I would want somebody to push me more because I would need more motivation. That's actually a really great point of view. And I hadn't even thought about that. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I would say that what we've said so far is there really isn't the evidence to support this. There's a teeny weeny little bit on 10 women. There may be another study somewhere else that's got 15 women, but it's really a negligible effect and it's probably not even the whole of the first half versus the second half. It's one day. If there are all these studies that are like 10 people, why hasn't one person done it for like 500 a researcher gets access to a sports team okay. or they're on a college campus okay. and they put out an email saying, hey, come and we'll give you $10 to participate in this trial. You know, we just said about how many people were using the pill. Mm-hmm. Well, in these studies, scientists are wise to this. So they are already, most of the time, either going to have to put the pill users in a separate group or they're going to have to exclude them completely. Okay. So if you're on a college campus and you're saying, hey, we want females to come and do this, but by the way, if you're using the pill, don't bother. Yeah, you're going to have potentially a smaller group to choose from anyways. I think you are. Interesting. Okay, so you said you had some other news, but it sounds like it's just not really worth doing then, right? So from the point of view of strength, I think it's a, yeah. Okay, so you haven't wowed me yet. You said that you might surprise me, but this seems kind of what I would have expected at this point. Oh, I feel I'm feeling the pressure now. (laughs) So next I went to my search about injury menstrual cycle. Those are my terms in my, my Google search. And something here really caught my eye. There's discussion in the literature, the scientific papers, about are you more likely to suffer things like muscle and tendon injuries, depending on where you are as a female athlete in your menstrual cycle. So again, we have to be talking about females who are not using oral contraception. Is that like a pulled hamstring, a muscle and tendon? Yeah, or horror of horrors, a torn Achilles tendon. These can be minor things. Pulled muscle's not great, but it might be just a few weeks. Or an Achilles tendon, you could be out for six months. There's a range of... Yeah, yeah. But they're generally not anything that we want to have occur if we can avoid. avoid. (laughs) When I was looking around, I found a study with 113 females. that's the best one yet. That is the best one yet. I mean, numbers-wise, this seems to be the most legit. Yeah. Okay. I thought this was great. Still not a thousand, but it's ten times... Eleven times. There you go. It's eleven times more than ten. So (laughs) so this was great. And this was a study that was carried out over four years looking at English international soccer players. So these are elite athletes. You said female English football players? Yes. Okay. Who are playing for England. Over a four-year period. Okay. And this study blew my mind because they found these elite female soccer players were twice as likely during the 
follicular phase that's the first half of your menstrual cycle that ends with ovulation Mm -hmm. so this is the bit just to remind everybody when our theory about training according to your menstrual cycle says train 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 this is when you're superhuman this is when you want to get up in these really high quality high intensity activities And this study found that these elite athletes were twice as likely during this phase to have a muscle attendant injury compared to the second half of their cycle. That's actually the opposite, right? They're saying you're actually way more likely to get injured in the first half, so you shouldn't be going crazy. If we're going to say, right, well, we should be training according to our menstrual cycle, here's a study that's a decent-sized study that says if you're going to do that, you want to be pushing it in the second half of your cycle and being a little bit careful about jumping off and on boxes in CrossFit and whatever in the first half of your cycle because that's when you are I mean twice as likely is a pretty big deal twice as likely to get injured that's crazy if somebody followed the advice of this working out according to your menstrual cycle and went harder in the first two weeks and then less hard in the second two weeks not only is it like well you're taking it easier in the time that doesn't really make a difference right but also you're making it twice as likely you'll get injured, right? Yeah. So we've gone from the first half of this discussion where we were looking at strength differences and said probably not going to make a difference. But we might have come out of that first half and said, but it's not going to do you any harm, so go for it if you want to give it a try. But now when you've got a study like this, well, actually, it might not be neutral. It might be really bad advice. Yeah, it 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 would be harmful. I do just want to say that this study said in their discussion section very clearly, they said at this point we don't have enough research to offer this up as medical advice okay you know that's a load of scientists with a trial of 113 people and they're saying don't train on this basis to me we shouldn't be sorry james but listening to personal trainers who are saying with much less evidence do train on the basis of your menstrual cycle now but let's say james smith isn't training and other trainers recommending this aren't training elite professional athletes and they're just training like your mum who's getting back in a workout after pregnancy or your high school athlete who has gained 20 pounds and you know just like your average everyday person does that still apply would they be more at risk of injury anyways because they're working out more or that's a really really good question I think there's two ways of thinking about this okay athletes are I mean and they they were elite athletes Mm -hmm. so they are operating on the edge they are pushing their bodies to achieve the maximum they they can out of their bodies certainly we might imagine that means that they are operating closer to the line which if you step one side of it you become injured so I think that's definitely a possibility but I think we could also say these are athletes who are used to exercising their bodies are used to exercising so their bodies are trained to cope with that intensive exercise and we would expect elite athletes as well to be pretty in tune with what's going on in their body so to have a sense of you know something doesn't feel quite right I'm going to go to the physio physiotherapist and get some assistance here and maybe not train so hard today and this is really why those people are saying we need to look at this phenomenon perhaps in different groups of females non-trained semi-trained elite and see if it's the same across the board but you're right at the moment we don't exactly know if it's important that these are elite athletes compared to the person getting back into exercise that said i can't tell you how many times i have heard of older people who've decided to restart an exercise regime they haven't really exercised for 20 years and now they decide that they're going to exercise again and they tear their achilles tendon Mm, that seems to be quite common in older people who haven't exercised so my suspicion is that elite athletes don't get injured more often because they're pretty tuned in but i think you raise a very very good point that should always be considered when looking at these kind of studies 
I am thinking too, now that you just mentioned a couple of those things, while they probably are exercising way more, the time where they could be exposed to something that could cause injury might be more than somebody who's sitting at a desk all day. But they probably have a team of athletic trainers they have access to ice baths after practice or maybe a lot of other preventative stuff that when i go for a run i just go for a run they might have access to more stuff to prevent injury i think that's true and by the way that's a great point the idea of if you looked at injury rate per hour exercised right they may get injured more often if they only get injured let's say twice as often as somebody who just plays soccer on a sunday right but they exercise for 10 times as many hours then their injury rate is actually less yeah so that would be a really interesting thing to look at injury rate per hour of exercise i feel like a research project coming on (laughs) i want you to do this study now please (laughs) okay so to summarize all of that it sounds like at the beginning i was leaning towards "Eh, it's probably not going to help you it's probably not going to hurt you but actually with the injury stuff at the end it sounds like it's probably not a good idea i mean in general we're not suggesting anybody do anything without consulting with a doctor anyways absolutely but it sounds like there's not a whole lot in the science to support it but there's some to suggest you do something else I would agree with that. I definitely went into this thinking, I don't really believe this on the basis of my understanding of physiology, but it probably doesn't do any harm. Mm -hmm. And I came out of this thinking, I don't think it's a good idea. Some of the stuff about injury makes me think that there really could be something harmful. And just to go back to something that you said, you're going to be rubbish in the second half of your cycle and just get over it and live with it. It's not great. But I also think, but that's when I would want a personal trainer to push me. Yeah, I know everyone's a bit different. But in some people, if they're not feeling good, they kind of want somebody to be like, let's do yoga. Let's keep it chill. And so there's nothing wrong about that. But I think there are a lot of people like me who it's, okay, if I'm having a hard time getting out of bed the second half of the month, if I know I have to be at a CrossFit class and I'm going to want to beat the other people with me and I'm going to want them to motivate me and my coach to push me, I'm the type of person that would want that. And I think there's a lot of people like that who are like, hey, if I'm feeling tired, I need a little bit of external motivation at that point. I think that's that's the case. It's like having the buddy, isn't it, who says, come on, we said we were going out for a run or we're going to that class. So Exactly. So let's do that. That accountability, really. So if someone said to you, hey, I'm thinking of working out according to a menstrual cycle, or if you if you were going to apply it to yourself, would you give it a thumbs up emoji? Try it. A thumbs down emoji? Not worth it. Or a shrug emoji of, eh, well, either well, way. Well, assuming that we've checked that the person who's considering this isn't using the pill, because we can just give that a thumbs down straight away, uh-huh. I would still give it a thumbs down. There just doesn't seem to be research that says it's a good idea. So if there's no research supporting the idea, and there's maybe something that says it's a bad idea, that's enough for me to give it the thumbs down. All right. You've heard it here first, and I would agree. I mean, I think I probably would have gone with a shrug at the beginning, but hearing the injury stuff, that's pushed me over to the thumbs down crew. Did I wow you? You did, because I really, I didn't even, honestly, didn't factor in injuries. I was thinking purely like, oh, are you stronger or weaker? I didn't factor in, if you get injured, then you're also out for the following month, and you know, it's gonna... (laughs) It's going to really mess you up. So. Yeah, you're not exercising at all at any yeah. point of your cycle. Exactly. So I'm trying to avoid injury more so than just having an 11% boost one day of the month. <laughs> Agreed. Well, Love it. Thanks for bringing that one to me, Tess. Yeah. Thank you for answering my question. Should we go off and have a cup of tea now and then come back another day and do another one? I think so. And I know we mentioned this before, but if you have any questions, you the listener, or you have any videos, like I always send to my mum, we're going to leave some information in the description on how you can contact us. And as a reminder, our conversation here aims to pass along some interesting science and help you develop your sciencey thinking muscles. Neither of us are medical doctors or any type of healthcare professional, so we are absolutely not providing medical advice. You should see your medically qualified professional for that.
And whilst all content provided is given in good faith, based on the scientific knowledge base available at the time of recording, if we misspeak or further research changes our understanding or that of the scientific community, we'll try our best to make any necessary corrections, either in a future episode or in our show notes. See See you next time. time!